Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It is going really, really well. It's been a really busy week in the SBC and uh, we've got we've got a lot to cover this week. Yes, lots of lots of things happening. All right, we're going to jump into it here in just a minute, but we also want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by 2028.co, powered by Lifeway, the world's largest provider of Christian resources. 2028's church management software will help you manage and grow your ministry. Their easy-to-use tools will improve your outreach efforts and bring your church closer together from child check-in to online giving to better church communication. 2028's church management software is here to make things easier for you. Start your free 30-day trial by visiting 2028.co. That's T-W-E-N-T-Y-2-8 dot C-O. That sounds great, Jonathan. Uh, Speaking of Lifeway, some big news coming out of your neck of the woods and NAM. Yeah, Kevin Ezell and Dr. Tom Rayner uh, from Lifeway, uh, Kevin Ezell, president of North American Mission Board, and Dr. Rayner, the president of Lifeway, announced this week that they have appointed a task force on disciple making to be headed by none other than Robbie Gallaty. So yeah. uh, no surprise there. Robbie has kind of become Mr. Discipleship, yeah. uh, the pastor at Long Hollow Baptist Church here in Hendersonville. Yeah, um, and, and that's been kind of a quiet thing I, I, that I've watched the last several years when, when he was down in Chattanooga at uh, Brainerd Baptist that you would just see every year at the SBC sort of a table set up, a small booth for their disciple-making sort of focus, replicate, just sort of plugging plugging through every year, just really getting that content out there. So that's been something clearly his heart for a long time. And uh, so he's a natural uh, natural choice for this. Yes, he is. And speaking of Replicate, we want to remind you about the Replicate breakfast at the SBC annual meeting this year on that Tuesday morning. They're going to have a big panel with a couple of the presidential candidates. I got a little reminder about that this past week, uh, the, the Replicate breakfast. So go see Robbie and uh, his crew at the Replicate Breakfast at the SBC this year. Just a, a quick plug for that. Yeah. Uh, but but Robbie is going to chair this committee, also going to be joined on the committee by Adam Dooley, who's in Sunnyvale, Texas at uh, Sunnyvale Baptist, Eric Geiger, who's the uh, also the pastor at Clearview Baptist Church here in Franklin, Tennessee, but also is the vice president over the resources division, which is basically a lot of discipleship tools right. at Lifeway. Uh, Johnny Hunt, Paul Jimenez uh, from First Baptist Taylors, Mark Marshall at the Glade, uh, here in Mount Juliet area, Kevin Smith at Highview Baptist in Louisville, Kentucky, and Pavel Yuruki at Erlanger Baptist Church over in Erlanger, Kentucky. That that sounds like that's going to be great, and uh, it will present a report at the 2017 SBC annual meeting in Phoenix, so we'll uh, be eager to hear about that. All right, moving on over to IMB. They had a trustee meeting this past week. I live streamed that thing, too. I was able to watch it and, and uh, view some of the the live stream from the IMB uh, trustee meeting and uh, not a whole lot of big news out of IMB uh, compared to the last couple of IMB trust meeting, trustee meetings. There were a few resolutions that were passed, most of those in appreciation uh, to service uh, to Wanda Lee over at WMU and her uh, retirement after 20 years of service at WMU. Also uh, one to uh, Kevin Ezell and NAM, speaking of them, uh, for the gift, the generous gift that NAM made to IMB. And also uh, they announced the retirement of Clyde Metter. Yeah, that's a name that will be familiar to a lot of people. Uh, 41 years of service through the IMB. That's longer than either one of us have been alive, Amy. That's correct. Uh, very, I'm, I'm cutting it very close there. 
Jonathan. Very close, but not quite. Yes. yes. Uh, so he's he's been a top advisor and executive vice president. He's worked with um, three IMB presidents. And from uh, August 2010 to March 2011, he was the interim president. So um, just a, a an unbelievable uh, career. He's done a lot and um, huge service to Southern Baptists and and just to uh, to missions in general. So, I was seeing a lot of stuff coming out about that pictures on social media, just of sort of that moment. He and his wife Elaine, and uh, so that that I would say is the really was one of the biggest deals of the meeting itself, aside from uh, the commissioning service. All right, moving on over to our favorite uh, coming theme park in Kentucky. This news just keeps popping up about the Ark, the Answers in Genesis Ark Park up in Kentucky. Uh, we mentioned it about a month ago, the atheist group that was wanting to protest the Ark Park right. uh, with these billboards. Well, they they submitted their billboard ideas and Lamar Advertising Company, the, the company that you see, uh, the, the big Lamar uh, billboards out there, they refused the designs. Yeah, so the Tri-State Freethinkers, they had, uh, had submitted some copy. Let's just say... It, it was just pretty awful. I certainly would not want to be driving down the interstate and have my children ask me how if I can explain. Uh, yeah, hey, mom, what's yeah, that? Yeah, I don't want to have to explain that to them. And so, thankfully, the Lamar Advertising Company did refuse the project, but it does continue this sort of ongoing battle um, that that is happening with the Ark Encounter, and then just all of the the groups that are opposing it. Uh, now, as we continue talking about this, I'm pretty convinced that you are really trying to get free tickets. May or may not be true. <laughs> you want to go? There's a lodge in there. I saw. I, oh, really? That's what this says. It says 140,000 square feet of exhibit space, a 1,500 seat restaurant, a lodge, a small zoo. Which I mean, that's the one part I did expect, but um, can't have this without animals. But uh, the the lodge, so you could probably stay in the ark. That's kind of interesting. I hadn't really considered that yet. I just want to see how big the thing is. I mean, it's one of these things where you you hear and you see and you look at these pictures, but just to be able to walk up to it and and just right. see the 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 enormity right. of it. Go to Genesis and read. There's like the measurements are all laid I out. I know, I know that. But it's one thing to read about it and like try to envision it. It's another to like walk up and there there she blows. So it's kind of like, you know, getting on the If any of our no. listeners have access to free tickets to the Ark Encounter, please send them to Jonathan Howe. I've got four kids and a wife. All right. So, um, yeah. So just the news keeps popping up about this. Baptist Press keeps running news. So I just, I, I'm following yeah, along. I'm sure so it will continue. It's working. I'm sure it will continue after they open. This will always be a, a battle with sort of the folks around that want to want to push back on this project. All right, we have some more life research this week, Amy, talking about handling misconduct in the church. We're going to actually have a interview with Bart Barber about a similar topic uh, later in the show. We, we Bart has uh, submitted a resolution to the SBC on sexual predation in the church and how churches should handle that if a minister or uh, member or staff member has been accused of that or found guilty of it. Uh, but how churches handle it were the topic of this research from Life Research. Yeah, so this uh, was a telephone survey. It was 1,000 Protestant senior pastors. And uh, it, it's, it's very interesting. So few of them 
said uh, that pastors who commit adultery should be permanently banned from ministry. Um, so that that was kind of low. But when you when you look at the question of whether someone should step down from the pulpit for a time if they're accused of misconduct, it's all over the map. So first, forty seven percent say that a pastor should step aside during an investigation of an alleged misconduct. Um, and then about 31% say that the church should leave the pastor in the pulpit. Very interesting. Uh, the thing that intrigued me is that uh, there was a real age, uh, uh, there was an age breakdown that older pastors are more likely, 36%, uh, to want the pastor to stay in the pulpit, and younger pastors are less likely to hold the view of that. Interesting, at only f- 13% say that, that most pastors are cautious about sharing details of alleged misconduct with the entire congregation. Only 13% said that. Um, and 73% say things should be kept in confidence during an investigation. Where, where that did change is that when investigations have passed, about 86% say it is essential to let the congregation know. So it, it's just an interesting thing. You, can, you have to read the entire story and uh, see the breakdown, see the analysis by LifeWay Research's team. Uh, but it's a struggle. People struggle with how much detail to share, how much to handle, because you are dealing with uh, what, what if there are false allegations, things like that. These are tough situations. They're not easy. Yeah, and every case is different, too. So there may be uh, allegations. There also may be... Uh, false allegations, like you said. And, and then it was also interesting in this article, and, and you need to go and check out the entire article, uh, the racial breakdown as mm-hmm. well as the denominational breakdown. Right. So the way that shifted as well. So um, there, there are a lot of factors that go into these situations. Right. I, I kind of understand not sharing the details during the investigatory phase. Yeah, I do too. And then sharing the details after a resolution or a you know a finding has been confirmed yes you know post investigation yes uh i, I kind of understood that i think that's kind of where most people and but based on the research most people actually fall in that uh those two categories right so uh but you know every church every situation is different it's interesting to that there are these larger discrepancies based on either race age or denomination um, I do find it encouraging, though, that the number was so high of uh, people who believe that transparency is needed, um, you know, after an investigation is has been processed and handled and, and action is being taken, that I think that's good. I would have been interested, I know they've had these studies before where maybe they did something 10 years ago and then they're following yeah. up. I'd be intrigued to see what the difference is on that, you know, 10 years, because we're just in a, a, a time where the, this issue, I think, gets discussed quite a bit more. Also, I, I would like to see the difference in what they think and what actually happens, because yeah. I, I think there's a I think there's a discrepancy there. It's it's one thing when it's in theory. You know, it's you know, a hypothetical situation. It's another when it happens in the church because sometimes people say one thing and then when it actually happens, they they react a different way. Yep. I agree. So, uh, the, these surveys are always, uh, very, very enlightening to us. All right. Moving on to some seminary news. Uh, We mentioned this back on the podcast a few weeks ago. This was my resource of the week Mm -hmm. uh, earlier this year. Uh, The Recalibrate Conference, there's a write-up of that. Uh, That was a uh, breaking the power of secrecy, really dealing about 
sexual addictions, pornography, and uh, that was hosted down at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary in the Level Chapel. Greg Miller was the speaker for that uh, campus-wide free conference we mentioned it earlier. So there's a good write-up in that in Baptist Press about what actually uh, you know that was covered at the conference and some other news and good news. Uh, something that we actually cut from the podcast last week. Most of you. Well, obviously, everyone that listened to the podcast last week did not hear about this because the details changed right before uh, the podcast went live, so I made some edits. But John Russell, as a New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary student, had been missing since April 22nd and was found last week as a a John Doe, basically, in a uh, ICU unit of a hospital in Bruton, Alabama. Right, after an accident. Yeah, and it was kind of crazy because we did, we talked about it and we were saying, what a tough situation. He was still missing. But then before uh, before you had finished editing, they th- the news came out that they had found him. Um, but man, that was just, that was just crazy. So. Yeah. So it, it just praise the Lord though, that John has been found and uh, we don't have any updates on his recovery, but at least he is uh, still alive and still with us. Right. Uh, we had, you know, kind of Whenever it's been that long, because we were looking at at least a, what a week and a half, almost Something two weeks like that, since yeah. we'd gone missing. Uh, so you you kind of start to to fear the worst possibly, right. and uh, but but praise the Lord, he is alive. Right. The, yeah, these are tough things for a campus too. So I was really uh, uh, thinking about the folks at at New Orleans, certainly his family, but it, it's hard uh, it's hard on the the people there, the faculty and staff, just just with their concerns. So. All right, moving up to Louisville, Kentucky at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, the undergraduate school there at Boyce College. They've got a volleyball team. Yeah, first uh, women's sport at Boyce College. Yes, they have a basketball program in 2006 that they launched. That was under uh, Jimmy Scroggins' leadership Mm -hmm. whenever he was the dean at Boyce College. And they uh, launched a men's soccer team last year. And now got a women's volleyball team coming, and that is going to be coached by Alexis Ammon, a, a native of Floyd's Knobs, Indiana. What a great town I know name. Floyd's Knobs. You know where that is? I do. All right. Uh, and she played at Sanford down in Birmingham yeah. and uh, graduated with a bachelor's degree in sports management, a fantastic degree uh, for someone to have. Um, I have two of those. I was going to say you probably do. Yes. So, uh, But congratulations to Boyce. Uh, got a women's team up there at Boyce College. Very, very nice. That's exciting to see, and I'm uh, looking forward to see how they do in their uh, first season. Yeah, creating a little bit more of a, I guess you say, regular, normal college experience there at Boyce College. So you got, you know, on-campus sports and uh, becoming a bigger and bigger thing, and Boyce, their enrollment keeps soaring. Uh, however, some news also from Boyce, uh, Dean Dan DeWitt is leaving Boyce uh, to go to Cedarville University to be the director of the Center for Biblical Apologetics and Public Christianity. Yeah, that's a uh, really big news for Cedarville, and uh, I think I think that role really fits well with uh, Dr. DeWitt and just some of the things really I've seen in his public ministry. He's he's written. I think he wrote a fiction. Uh, book like a, a children's fiction wasn't it something like that mm-hmm. uh, a little while back and a big uh, kind of a C.S. Lewis scholar and so just a lot of thought work that he's done that's going to fit really well I think with this center and uh, so uh, very very exciting uh, for 
for Cedarville, and I know that it's a this role will be exciting for him. Uh, but I know that that will be a major transition for Boyce College. All right, moving on to some news from the annual meeting, the SBC Pastors Conference that's held on the Sunday and Monday before. Uh, we mentioned a couple weeks ago that John Avant was going to be nominated by Steve Gaines for the presidency of that. Well, we've got another nominee now. Dave Miller, the pastor at Southern Hills Baptist Church in Sioux City, Iowa, and good friend of the pod, is going to be nominated by Pastor Todd Bankert from Eastlake Baptist Church in Crown Point, Indiana. Yeah, this is interesting. You know, we uh, referred to this a couple weeks ago that we thought maybe another nomination would be coming because they had... And there was. Yes, they had mentioned at SBC Voices that they uh, would possibly nominate um, an individual, and here here it came this week. So that's that's interesting. When is the last time we've had a contested election for pastor's conference president? 2010. Okay, so it's been Went six back years. and watched the nomination this past week, in fact. There you go. Uh, Vance Pittman uh, defeated Troy Gramling yep. in Orlando uh, for the pastor's conference position for the Phoenix Convention in 2011. Okay. Where, as if people listened last week, they know that's where we met for That's the first right, time. in Phoenix, that's right. Um, and, and in 2010, I missed that because that was one of the years that I did not get to go. So Yeah, um, that I, was GCR year. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, in Orlando, 11,000 people at that one. That was a big yep, one. Yeah, I remember that. I had just moved to Nashville, and so getting settled in at LifeWay, and the entire LifeWay research team was all in Orlando, and I was in the office by myself watching the live stream all week. See, and, and I was not there. I was at WMU at that time, yes. sitting in a conference room, streaming it on the TV, watching it by myself. Yeah. Uh, streaming it like I had a projector and streaming yes. it on the wall. So that confirms, yes, folks, we are those people that when we don't go... We live streamed the entire thing and probably yes. see more of it than we do when we're there. But the time that is the absolute yeah. truth. So in the last ten years, I've missed two. Uh, one was two thousand eight, Indianapolis. Uh, Leah Finn and I sat in my kitchen and streamed it while the children ate lots of junk food and watched lots of television uh, in the other room because we wanted to watch the SBC because we're weird. Um, but sorry, Leah, you're not weird. I'm weird. And uh, then in 2010, but I, so I wasn't there and I, I don't think I saw the nomination speech for pastor's conference president. So oh, they're um, good ones. So yeah. um, I have to go back and check it out. So this is interesting though, because pastor's conference president, it's not the same. It's not part of the meeting. It's different. So there's no, uh, registration there's no ballots there's no punching there nothing like that um so this is just a different it's it's sort of a everybody who's in there picks the one for next year raise your hand yes so uh, which is a little surprising i gotta admit as as big and as sticklers we are as southern baptists for rules uh, that we have something as loose as an election like this is a little surprising to me. Yeah, but the pastor's conference, it's not part of the actual meeting. And so in order to do that in some sort of a tight system, you, the conference would have to be an organization itself. And yeah, so it's not an organization. So it's it's kind of no, like... It's a, yeah, it's a conference. And, and it's a conference that floats from year to year, depending on who the president is. So then the president, he and his team get it the next year and they... They run it and, and plan it. There's no um, sort of continuous. There's no, yeah. yeah, there's, there's no, no continu- hierarchy. No, there's yeah. no continuous structure. It's not 
set up in any way. So this is just how you do it. So the folks who are here this year get to pick the person who is going to plan it the next year. So Yes, and uh, one thing to note about Miller's candidacy, uh, they have a, a kind of a strategy for small church pastors right. and more uh, a more cohesive direction for the pastor's conference, uh, having people preach through a book of the Bible uh, you know, like taking a Pauline epistle or something and, and have a conference on that. So uh, a, a little different perspective, a little different take on uh, things that we've seen. So uh, we'll see what the people in the room decide. Right. Yeah. So, but just be in there. So be in there. Yes. Usually uh, Monday afternoon, somewhere in that, that range. That's yep. usually when the, the pastor's conference election is. So we'll have to find out on that and, and confirm uh, when that will be. But, uh, you know, just a uh, Another thing to to be sure that you're in St. Louis for. Yep. All right. Speaking of being in St. Louis, you know who's going to be in St. Louis? A lot of children. A lot of kids and a lot of parents of kids. Yes. Because the preschool registration is already closed and filled up. 142 registrants, more than the 109 last year uh, that basically went a lot later. So we filled up early and we filled up with more. So there are a lot of kids coming to St. Louis, which makes sense. St. Louis is a great family town. I've yes. been talking about that all year long. I am so excited about St. Louis, even though I'm not a kid. Uh, but it, it's got great family-friendly type stuff. Registration for 6 to 12-year-olds, also strong, with 150 already signed up for that. And the availability is likely to be gone by the original May 30th deadline. Yep, pretty crazy. So... Um, now, if you are out there and you did not uh, get your children in, don't... Amy will keep them for you. <laughs> no, I did not volunteer oh. for that. Okay. Uh, don't lose heart. There is always the uh, stroller section, which that was what I did with my preschool children. And uh, so you can still bring them and you can still participate. Yes. Bring them be there in St. Louis. And Amy, this just kind of continues, and it mentions it in the BP article, it continues the trend that we've seen with a lot of younger pastors showing up at the annual meeting. Right. Yeah, that does tell us something. Uh, We've been seeing a a greater number of of younger of younger people there. And so this kind of just gives us a, a heads up that that's continuing. And we also got some details this week from Dr. Ronnie Floyd about the pastors and the church in American politics today. The panel that he'll be hosting on Wednesday afternoon right after the seminary lunches and right before the panel with the national entity executives. So Amy, tell us who's going to be on this panel. Yeah, so it's five local church pastors and one attorney. Uh, Hans Stillback, senior pastor of Quail Springs Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. Jack Graham, uh, that'll be a familiar name from Prestonwood mm-hmm. Baptist Church. Former in Plain- SBC president. That's right, in Plano, Texas. David McKinley, Warren Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. Um, Matt Staver, uh, that's the attorney, founder and president of the Liberty Council in uh, Orlando. A.B. Vines, uh, senior pastor at New Seasons Church in Spring Valley, California, and Kay Marshall Williams from Nazarene Baptist Church in Philadelphia. So uh, some familiar names there, especially Kay Marshall and A.B. Vines. Uh, you mentioned Hans Dillbeck and Jack Graham. The only one I don't know on this list was David McKinley. So, Yeah, um, it, it does say, though, it says he's, uh, he's pastored in Florida. He served alongside Jack Graham in Florida and Texas. And uh, has just been in a lot of different states, different perspectives. So um, I, I think 
I think obviously he's he's known to have some wisdom on this issue, I would think. All right. Well, we'll have to tune into that one. That'll be something to get back into the hall for right after those seminary luncheons uh, on Wednesday afternoon and right before the, the Entity Q&A panel. Uh, that's going to do it for our news this week. We once again want to remind you that this week's podcast is brought to you by 2028. For all your church technology needs, whether that be your website, church management tool, electronic check-in, or online giving, uh, get with 2028, powered by LifeWay. That's T-W-E-N-T-Y 28.co. Here is our interview with Bart Barber. This week, we are joined by Bart Barber. He is the pastor at First Baptist Church, Farmersville, Texas. And Bart has submitted a resolution to the SBC Resolutions Committee for this year's annual meeting in St. Louis on uh, sexual predation in the local church. Uh, Bart, thanks for joining us, man. I'm happy to speak with you, Jonathan. Thanks for calling. All right. Well, we want to talk about really the what brought about this uh, resolution. What do you see as the need for it? And just kind of what inspired you to put this down, uh, you know, pen to paper and submit it to the resolutions committee? Well, um, the primary motivation uh, has been my experience as a pastor uh, of just a, a, what's been to me a startling, breathtaking increase in the number of people uh, that I've interacted with in pastoral work who have been victims of sexual abuse, sexual molestation. And uh, I think um, uh, I think the reasons that are fueling that are reasons that reach into the church as well as into other places. And... Um, and I think it's very important that uh, Southern Baptists find a way to articulate a more positive way of handling, uh, of preventing these problems and of handling these problems. The resolution focuses mostly on a way of responding to and handling these problems because too often uh, my, my experience as a pastoral counselor has been uh, that um, I encounter young women, young men, who have had to keep these things quiet. They've been they've been forced to keep these things quiet. It's really not good for them. Uh, and so, uh, when I read stories about churches uh, pushing people who've been victims of this sort of thing toward silence, uh, and when I think about how much damage that does to these people and how much damage it does to our witness when it comes out, uh, I think it's something that as Southern Baptists we need to think to think about and to address. All right, so what makes this different? I mean, we had a, a resolution in 2013 that was somewhat did, similar, yes. dealt with a similar topic. So what, what differentiates this from the one in 2013? I think a couple of things. First of all, the resolution in 2013 was specifically aimed toward minors, okay. uh, toward only uh, uh, actions that, that were toward minors. And I think we have to acknowledge uh, that this is a problem that extends beyond that. We have people who also act in predatory manners uh, toward those who are adult uh, members of the church. Um, and um, I think it also, um, uh, a difference between uh, this resolution and the resolution back then is that the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention has looked at this problem. They brought a report back to the Southern Baptist Convention uh, in which they expressed their opinion about some circumstances in which it would be appropriate for the convention to take action and uh, it seemed to me a good thing uh, for the messengers of the convention uh, to reflect back to the executive committee our explicit uh, approval of that idea 
and to uh, and to speak to some ways that the Southern Baptist Convention in the future can take action. Uh, the resolution itself doesn't take action, but it does express uh, approval of, uh, and it speaks approvingly of ways that the executive committee has said, these are situations in which we could act in a certain way. Uh, and so I think uh, for the convention to go on record saying to the executive committee, hey, you're right, these are, these are good occasions in which the convention could take action. I think that uh, I think that empowers and enables those in the executive committee uh, who had floated those ideas out in front of us in a hypothetical sort of way. So, speaking of hypotheticals, give us maybe a hypothetical real-world scenario where you know we may have to deal with this type. You know, what you address in the resolution. For example, um, there was a church in Florida that uh, knowingly called as pastor uh, a guy who had a conviction uh, of sexual uh, uh, predation in the past. And I think uh, those those situations, you know, they're, they're kind of rare. Um, uh, frequently, uh, when, when somebody takes action to try to shush victims or, or, or do bad things, the church is in the dark, too. Mm-hmm. It makes it a difficult situation for the Southern Baptist Convention because individuals aren't members of the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, uh, Jimmy Carter, notwithstanding, uh, individuals can't leave the Southern Baptist Convention, can't join the Southern Baptist Convention. We're a convention of churches, and in our polity, uh, we admit churches or dismiss churches. Uh, and so I think I think there are two ways that this is helpful, uh, two hypothetical situations that make this helpful. The first hypothetical situation is if you have a church that does knowingly bring someone into the pastorate who is a sexual predator, uh, that... Uh, we as a convention can be on record, just like we are with people who call other kinds of pastors who aren't qualified biblically. We can be on record for saying, you know what, this is not what we believe is a convention, and someone who does believe this is a convention really is in a different place than we are and may not belong within this fellowship of churches. And then the other hypothetical situation, I think, is um, if you have the hypothetical person who's looking at the Southern Baptist Convention and saying, you know, you care more about other issues than you do about uh, about the victims of sexual abuse, um, then, you know, we have an opportunity as a convention to clarify for those who are listening that actually we care about that very much. And anytime there is a situation where a church has acted uh, and is unrepentant about acting in ways that uh, that abuse those who've already been abused, yeah. uh, that we're poised as a convention to take decisive action about that. So you've mentioned this, and, and I know the stories too. We, we've seen this as a problem in the past. Uh, you know, I guess the, the question is twofold. is like, what is, you know, what do we do about those churches that have had this happen in the past? You know, do we just kind of wipe the slate clean? And, and then kind of moving forward, you know, why, why is it beneficial for us to be able to do, you know, what you're calling for here? Well, um, I think that we're going to follow the same pattern with people who've made bad actions in the past in this regard that we follow with every kind of sin, with every kind of church. Uh, and that is that when people are repentant, there's grace and forgiveness and restoration. That's the New Testament pattern. That's what we should follow. Uh, with anyone who, uh, and really we do that with any offense. Yeah, uh, and that should be our goal in this is repentance and restoration. Absolutely. That's uh, that's 
That's what Jesus calls us to. But apart from that, we'd all be going to hell. Yeah. So uh, we're the people of grace and, and restoration and repentance. Um, I think part of what happens here, though, if you, if you make a clear statement, we are prepared as a convention to disfellowship churches that act unrepentantly in a bad way on these, uh, on these cases. I think you communicate to churches that are struggling with what to do. Hey, there's a price to be paid if you go the wrong way here. Uh, this could this could cause you to meet with uh, a very embarrassing situation yeah. of being disfellowshipped from the convention. It's and kind of so, a backhanded encouragement to handle it correctly. It, it really is. And there's not only that backhanded encouragement, but the resolution also calls upon us to work to develop stories and examples of this being handled rightly. Uh, I think a lot of people enter a situation like this and wonder, what am I supposed to do? I I can run to a lot of places to find what not to do, but where do I go to find uh, clear examples about how to lead a church successfully through this? I I think a lot of people find these stories come up and they think there's no good exit from this. Uh, I've got to avoid this because if we address this, if it comes up, this church is going to fly apart. Uh, and so, um, if, if we were able to hold up as examples, people who have successfully shepherded a church through uh, a difficult situation like this, I think, uh, that may be helpful too, but a model in front of people. All right, well, Bart, thank you so much again for joining us today on SBC This Week. We appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to seeing the the final text of the resolution, hopefully in June. Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time, Jonathan. All right. Thank you very much for that, uh, Jonathan. And I I always find it helpful, the folks now, it's up to the individual person who's submitting a resolution, but when they release it beforehand, um, that's just it's just interesting and helpful to see into process uh, before before we get there. Um, but we'll just have to see how everything goes, what comes out of committee. And uh, so just as a, a point to that, uh, the time for submitting resolutions has passed. They had to be submitted 45 days out. So uh, hopefully if you were planning to submit one, you got it in uh, by now. But yeah, because if not, uh, we'll see you in Phoenix. That's right. That's right. Keep working on it. Yeah, you got another year to work on it. Yes. So fine tune that thing. That's right. Um, also, one speaking of releasing beforehand, I noticed that this past week, the book of reports and a lot of the documentation for the annual meeting already available in the SPC app. So uh, be sure to download that app and check out all the, uh, the good uh, nerdy stuff that Amy and I read. And yes. nobody else probably has even noticed that it's available yet. But we're here to tell you it is. Yes. Take it It's all available, in. and there's some fascinating stuff in there. Yes. See if you can find the nuggets that we found as well. <laughs> all right. That's going to move us on to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Okay. This one, I don't know how earth-shattering it is, but as soon as I saw it, I thought I had to read it. Uh, we're going to go to 1954 when they were getting ready for their annual meeting, the SBC annual meeting in St. Louis. 
actually. Oh, uh, how convenient. Yes. So uh, the the issue of Baptist Press was released on May 13th, and it the headline article was about about the, the weather, what to wear to the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, so they had already kind of prepared, or prepared people for that. Uh, in the end, said, let common sense be your guide and wear what you wish. But they had a very important story and announcement lower that I just had to share. The title of the article is Help, Help, uh, with exclamation marks after the word help. And it says, David W. Jones of St. Louis is only the chairman of the committee for arranging places for banquets and dinners to be held in connection with the Southern Baptist Convention. He does not receive individual reservations, so please do not send him any more money or requests for tickets. Write to him only if you want to arrange a meeting place for a large group. <laughs> yes, that was in Baptist Press because that was the way to release it. They didn't have a website or anything. they didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't. They didn't have email subscriber lists, anything like that. So, I, I'm guessing we we can speak on behalf of uh, the executive committee and Lynn Richmond to say, please, no one send any money. Uh, that that uh, some people just handle arranging the places for banquets, but they had to make sure. So I wonder how much money David Jones got. All right, there is another thing in this that may be a bigger news story, and and that's Mississippi Woman's College in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, was recently that's made right. a co-ed school and named William Carey College. Yes, and that's a that you find so many nuggets in this because that's a, just like a, a little sentence in there. In a in a yeah. an article in an article called Baptist People and Things. This 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 whole thing, this entire issue of Baptist Press, though, Amy, is absolutely amazing because just the the fashion information at, at the the top there. You talked about the yeah. weather and the fashion. It's it's too far north to wear white shoes and Panama hats, Amy, but too far south to require top coats. So that's I, correct. I don't know what you're going to wear. I, you know that I have had issues with what to wear at SBC annual meetings before. So now I, at least I have some guidance. Yes. No, it says no clear answer to the problem is possible. So, you know. Can I wear white shoes and Panama shirts and Panama hats? You know, you can if you, can if you want to, but some people will probably think it's too far north. Yes. Uh, you know what? I, I know that we will see in pastor fashion at the SBC annual meeting. Yes. We'll see Sear Sucker from um, Herschel York. And Clint Presley. I'm counting on it. I'm yes. counting on it. Yes. And if we don't, it's not a real SBC meeting. That's correct. As we get ready for St. Louis, we can just remember that there were people in 1954 getting ready for St. Louis as well this week in SBC history. All right. That's going to move us on to our resource of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is... There was a big announcement this week, Jonathan. Yes. A quite... Um, disappointing announcement i believe i think it depends on who you are if you like to go on cruises it might have yeah, been a true. great announcement so yes. my resource of the week is um a cruise with dc talk fantastic <laughs> big disappointment for fans i'm kind of surprised they didn't know that would be a disappointment because not only is it i'm gonna go ahead and just say it's kind of cheesy so there's that but also uh -huh. the fact that people were expecting a tour, which means people thought DC Talk might come to my city. But instead, 
there's only room for a small number of us who are interested in this, and yeah. we have to pay a lot more money than we would for yeah. a concert ticket. It, it's not 40 bucks a person. It's $700 at least a person. Right. And so they built this big announcement up because they thought it would be a really big deal, and all these people that thought they were going to get to go to a DC Talk concert again found out, oh, there's, you know, there's no opportunity for me to go and see that, and... So never mind. Yes. It, it was uh, quite a letdown, I think, after a week's worth of buildup that people were building up and, and that they had even built up. Right, right. Uh, through their official channels. Yeah. And, and then to announce it that way, ee, yes, it, it just did not go over well. The internet, uh, it was a, a lynch mob on Tuesday. Yes, not, not, on Wednesday. not good at all. Sorry. I thought it was kind of amusing, but um, I've... It was quite funny, but it was at the same time strangely disappointing. Right. I've seen two DC Talk concerts. That's really all I needed. I was good. So anyway, um, so I'm going to share that as my resource. I don't think I'll be able to uh, go on the cruise, but maybe you will or someone else. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe they can send me the park tickets and send you the cruise tickets. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, that, I think you win on that one, regardless if it's a DC Talk cruise or not. I've never been on a cruise before. I have not either. So maybe DC Talk is listening. So Kevin Max, yeah. send Amy some tickets. Send, yeah, send some send some cruise tickets. I've never been one for theme cruises anyway when I think of going on one because I'm the type of person that just wants to go read a book. I don't want to have to go to a scheduled event. Well, you know what they should have done? They should have merged it with the Ark Park and cruised on the Ark. I think it's time for your resource of the week. We have my resource we have of the descended. week. <laughs> my my resource of the week is Rooted, a new book by Brandon Smith and Jeff Metters. Uh, these guys, are good friends of mine, and released this recent book on uh, theology and being rooted in solid theology. So pick it up. It's a, a new book from Rainer Publishing. Uh, it's available on Amazon, so we'll put the link here. Uh, but a, a good new book. I've got a copy of it uh, from Brandon, and a really good new book from Brandon and Jeff. Very nice. That'll be great. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Amy, we want to remind you uh, that this week's podcast is brought to you, uh, as all of these podcasts are in May and June, by 2028, the church management software that can help you manage and grow your ministry at your church. Uh, visit them online at 20, the number 2, and the number 8.co. Sounds great. And uh, don't forget, it's four weeks away before we uh, start packing our bags and heading to St. Louis. Uh, if you have not registered uh, your church for messengers, there's still time. Yes, there is. Get those registrations in. You can also register messengers walking up, but you need to really kind of plan ahead because yep. of hotels and travel and all right. that. So uh, make your plans to join us in St. Louis. We are looking forward to that. A lot going on. we got our preview episode coming later this month, first part of June. So uh, we will see you uh, next week here on SBC This Week. See you next week. <laughs>